Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we're going to continue our series of discussing difficult topics in youth ministry and focus on the topic of sex and gender identity. We are continuing this discussion about difficult topics in youth ministry. We are, I think, going to take a pause after this one. <laughs> uh, so certainly we're going to be continue to be talking about difficult issues. Um, but today we're going to talk about something that I know has come up in lots of conversations with youth leaders, uh, this important topic in the lives of our young people, mm-hmm. which is uh, the issues around sexuality and gender. And they're nothing new in teaching the faith to young people and investing uh, in them as they grow in Jesus. And you might be the one who's had to, <laughs> like me, teach the Sixth Commandment class in class confirmation or our sex ed in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like I just always open up those conversations with like, this is as weird and <laughs> awkward and sure. uncomfortable for me as it is for you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're all in this let's together. together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's just, we're just going to stand here and, and we're going to talk about it anyway, because it really is, is that important. Um, and if not in the formal setting, you know, topics of sex and gender are going to come up with young people in conversations and in those relationships. Young people are inundated with this topic in media and social media and in their daily lives. In our recent survey of youth who attended the LCMS Youth Gathering, they were asked what did they wish the church would discuss more? And the top answer, and has been that now for a couple of gatherings, yeah. which says it continues to be a topic they want to discuss, are those around LGBTQIA plus issues. Youth have questions about what the church teaches, what they think themselves about these complex, is- complex issues, and how they can discuss these issues with their friends and the people in their lives. And certainly standing on God's word, the church has truth and grace to give to all people about God's creative work and love for them. And there are a lot of topics around sex, gender, and sexuality. And today we hope we can provide some resources and foundational scripture and thoughts to encourage us to discuss and teach well God's design for sexuality to our own children and also youth in our congregation. So God's design is so much more than do's and don'ts. It touches on all those healthy relationships, love, sacrifice, service, and purpose. So to join us to talk more about this are our guests, uh, are Jonathan and Krista Petzold. Uh, Reverend Jonathan Petzold holds at MDiv from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. He serves as senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church and School in uh, Roselle, Illinois. Uh, Krista Petzold holds an MA in theology from Concordia University, Irvine, and a degree in mathematics and Lutheran secondary education from Concordia University, Wisconsin. She serves as a stay-at-home mother, homeschooling their four children. Jonathan and Krista have been married since 2010 and enjoy learning and teaching God's word together. They also love coffee, same these. <laughs> so Star Wars also awesome. with you on nice. that. Travel. Uh, we like a lot of the same things mm-hmm. in quiet evenings at home. Uh, between them, we have authored uh, multiple books and blogs and one we want to highlight is Male and Female Embracing Your Role in God's Design, published by Concordia Publishing House. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us. So we got to hear a lot. That was a long bio. That's <laughs> to both of you. Uh, but we got to hear a little bit about you in the intro. But tell us some more about your vocations, your roles in ministry, and other things that bring you joy. Yeah, so I think you covered a lot of it there, uh, but uh, yeah, I love serving as a pastor. I've, I've served as a pastor since 2016, um, and a lot of those years I've gotten to teach uh, confirmation, uh, do youth ministry, and then uh, teach in a, in a Lutheran school um, and work with kids there. So uh, that's brought a lot of joy. Um, it brings up a lot of those awkward conversations that you've, you've talked about and uh, in previous podcasts and stuff too, but but uh, I'm right there with you. You're teaching the commandment. I mean, it's always fun when that that uh, question inevitably comes up, like, "Hey, what is circumcision?" And you're like, "Oh, here we go." You know? No. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about eunuchs, we're on a whole other thing, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I'm Krista. I spend most of my time home with my kids, teaching them. And we've gone through the small catechism at home. So I've already taught the sixth commandment to my kids, none of whom are, you know, over 10. So, you know, they're like, you hit it at every age. I think that that can sometimes take the shock value out of it. If you just kind of add on content as they get older um, and layers of understanding. So, um, but I also love to write and I do a lot of that. And I teach some classes for high schoolers online as well. So Awesome. 
Cool. One of the things we love to hear from guests is about their junior and senior high school years. Can you share us for how Jesus used a key moment or moments or people to keep you or bring you close to him or the church? Yeah, so uh, Kristen and I uh, were maybe a little bit of an, an anomaly, I suppose. We uh, grew up in the same church, uh, same Sunday school classes, uh, same confirmation class, uh, and and then uh, same root group. So yeah. uh, we, we grew up a lot together with with that, and we, we had a just a wonderful youth group experience mm-hmm. uh, together. Um, I, I think that probably was most impactful for, if I can speak for both of us, was that I think that our youth leaders treated us uh, as the uh, high school kids uh, as leaders and and people who could do ministry by ourselves and could perhaps even do church work. So we had not only that encouragement, but I think like also the opportunity to to try those things out, to kind of flex those muscles. Um, and so I think we can honestly say that like in our youth group, we, we thought of ourselves as like having a say in church. Uh, and having an influence on our congregation, and, and it was it was pretty cool. I, I think I think the other cool thing was like our peer group was our church group, uh, so we had like really close friendships and bonds there. So yeah, so junior and senior year are some of some of my favorite memories. We had this like a tightening group of friends that were all like active and leading in the youth group, and we also went to high school together. Um, and Jonathan and I actually started dating senior year. Um, and so that was a very formative experience We're just from high school. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say, and like, we didn't just like start casually dating, like we already knew each other. So we within, within a month of having the, I like you, I like you too conversation, we were like talking about, okay, so if we're dating, then that has something to do with marriage. And this is like the parameters and the goals that we want to set around our relationship because we're hoping that is going in that direction. Um, so, you know, that being like treated like grownups, like we thought of ourselves as like people who were making adult decisions. Like we're choosing where to go to college. We're choosing what to major in. We're choosing who we want to marry. And um, so those were really significant years for us. And we talked about John and going into ministry during that time um, and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. awesome. Fantastic. Uh, so, as we kind of talk about uh, particularly this topic in youth ministry, curious as uh, what do you love about working with young people and their parents in the congregation and in your community? Yeah. So I think one of the things that I've learned uh, in my ministry is that sometimes the best parts of ministry are the hardest. Um, I think that when there's a family that's going through a hard time or there's a death, or there's a young person who's going through an identity crisis, or there's some sort of conflict or something. Uh, and, and if you have a Lutheran school, you you get that fairly often as well, yeah, like, all you time. know, all the time. Uh, and, and, and same thing for youth ministry, just like like when sinners get in the same room, uh, problems usually arise, right? Uh, and, and so I think it's tempting to think of that situation as a burden or like a distraction from like the, the real ministry taking place, like a really good Bible study or a really good gathering or something like that. Right. Um, but, but I find that, uh, those situations are often the most meaningful, uh, ministry moments, uh, where, where God's word guides it, it, it heals and yet you, you get to apply it in really wonderful ways. And, um, so I think for me, I've, I've found uh, probably the most joy uh, comes on the other side of one of those hard issues like that. Um, because that's, that's when you get to see, uh, see it be real and not just conceptual. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of cool to experience that. Um, so all, all that being said, I, I really enjoy the easy stuff too, for like Bible studying and, uh, and youth. Uh, and by the way, youth, uh, you often have like the, the most fun questions. Uh, if you do like a quiz the pastor or, you know, uh, stump the pastor kind of session, um, uh, with, with adults, it's not always as fun as it is, is with kids. So that, that's always a joy. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we said in the opening, sex, sexuality, and gender aren't always the most comfortable topics for parents or youth ministry practitioners, or quite frankly, anyone, and maybe especially to discuss with young people. Uh, but yeah, you thankfully jumped into it and point us to God's word and discuss these topics are important to Jesus. And where have you seen these opportunities and benefits of teaching God's creative design, especially around gender and sexuality in children and youth ministry or with your own children? 
And I guess the question may be, do you do that formally or how do you do that formally? Or does it happen more organically as questions arise or both? Um, I think with, with our kids in the home, it happens organically. Like a question will just come up and it's best to just, you know, to answer it in the moment in its context at like exactly the developmental level that it was asked at. And you don't need to go further than that. And um, so I've found that to be, you know, so like an example is like um, we were fostering. Um, this was years ago. We fostered a little boy and his parents uh, were not married to each other. And so our kids who were really young, you know, our oldest was, I don't know how old she was, four or something. She was like, how can they have a baby if they're not married? You know, and so, um, like, you know, without going, you know, just dealing with that question at exactly that level and talking about how I think I said some shared something like, look, God has a design for children to have parents who are married, um, but not everybody knows about God's design. And so some people do things in a way that is not according to the design, but children are always a blessing that God gives to people regardless of if they understand his design for marriage or not. And so like that design language, I think is a really good tool that can help you kind of talk about those things in a way that like doesn't lead your kids to say like horrible judgmental things accidentally <laughs> to other children on the street. You know, you want to avoid like giving them sound bites that are going to be really hurtful, um, you know, but to give them enough information to like, like embrace God's design is good without like putting undue judgment on like other people that you're in relationship with. Yeah. I, I think that it's, um, these things can usually approached, uh, both organically and, uh, uh formally. I, I think it's maybe clear when you get to do it formally and you kind of get to do like this academic systematic approach to it. Uh, you know, time to choose your words carefully and especially like with a topic like this. That's really nice to be able to have that opportunity to, to plan your words and choose them carefully uh, and have all the prepared uh, answers for all the questions that might arise and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think there is a, a good place to do it formally because it can help our young people think through these things in, in an objective way that, that's not in the heat of the moment when it comes up in school or if they're dealing with that issue personally, just to hear it. Okay, here's, here's the answer objectively without it uh, directly and immediately applying to me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, but kind of like was, what Krista was saying, I, I think that these things definitely come up uh, organically, uh, regardless of how much formal teaching you, you, you do on it. Uh, and I think it's those times where you aren't necessarily approaching it in that academic Bible study mode, right, uh, that you get to actually apply the law and gospel uh, to people. And, and I think that that's where a lot of that ministry happens. Um, I think what I've learned uh, in, in my experience is that it, it, it feels very awkward talking about these things, uh, both, both formally, formally and academic, uh, I'm sorry, both formally and organically. It's just very awkward. Uh, but, but I also find it's, it's usually very freeing for people when you talk about it. Um, when you talk about it, it tells them it's okay to talk about. Uh, it's, it's safe to talk about this. Um, I, I think that's for people, there's a lot of shame surrounding this, this topic, a lot of scars, uh, a lot of perceived expectations about sex and, and roles. Um, there's a lot of legalism and misconceptions about what the Bible says. There's a lot of conflicting messaging that they hear from uh, church and uh, maybe school or peers or media and, and whatnot. So they got all this stuff flying around them. Um, and, and there's, there's, frankly, a lot of uh, sin uh, and sin that either needs to be confronted or prevented or forgiven. Uh, and it's really important to talk about it. And right. so I think talking about these things says it's okay to talk about it and God's word is always good for us. And the truth sets us free uh, and, and a lot of freedom can be experienced. So I think it's, it's better to do the awkward thing and talk about it. Well, and, and awkward, but also the message of, of the Bible is so counter to culture right now, right? You just talked about how many different places that they're hearing mm -hmm. um, about gender and sexuality from television, from podcasts, from TikTok, right? Um, and, and there is a lot of, of 
people who are out there who are sharing a message that is is counter to the gospel. Um, and we know that that's not necessarily anything new, right? Uh, there have been uh, a push and pull against God's design for for gender and sexuality for for a long time. But are there some specific trends you're seeing right now around uh, how we're talking about gender and sexuality as a culture that you think youth leaders and parents should be aware of? I think just in general, not not even just about gender and sexuality, but in general, um, this question of identity is huge right now. And um, our world's view of identity is as something that is internal and that like every person gets to define it for themselves. Um, and that is, that's, that does, that is counter to sort of the Bible's understanding of identity, right? And God's understanding. Um, but also, you know, we live in like this social media world and teenagers live in social media land sometimes more than in other, in real IRL, you know? Um, And so, um, like, social media is all about curating an identity. It's about crafting a persona. And so everybody, like, our age and younger is really good at thinking about what they want their identity to be and, like, creating it from scratch, in a sense. And, like, that, that is not, like, really good for us. Like, it's not healthy. And I struggle with it all the time. Like I've, you know, had social media since I was 17 and it has never brought me peace or joy, you know, um, and, and yet I still have it. And I just, I, I try, you know, but so I think that that is part of the conversation is like, how are we thinking about identity? And then like this world that we live in, like, we're really like, we're setting ourselves up to think about it in a harmful way just by like the way we spend our time and the way we interact with other people. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I think that that identity in um, this culture where you're constantly curating your own identity um, it seeps over, spills over into like sexual identity very, very quickly uh, to where you're trying to find ways to express um, this identity that you're trying to curate, you're, you're looking for new ways to identify yourself. And so I think that it often, uh, kind of like presents in, um, not only you of course, but, but people, uh, exploring that in gender and sexuality, uh, all these different things. I think that this has always been a struggle in adolescence. Like this is always an identity crisis time in like human growth. Right. But the internet gives us, gives you like exactly the wrong set of tools to do the maximum amount of damage at the time when you're struggling with this specific part of growing up. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And I guess I'll, I'll add this too. Um, having served in a Lutheran school in a very rural area and then a Lutheran school in uh, Chicago suburbia, um, I, I can say that our Lutheran schools are not immune to this. Uh, we might we might be able to curate our curriculum and uh, uh, kind of do better at it than the public schools kind of thing, um, but but our kids are are on the same social media platforms and and they're uh, still getting the same messaging, um, and 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 even even our own students are are trying to figure these things out and and even dabbling in it sometimes. Uh, so so I don't think we can really think that we're immune or safe from it. If we only live within our bubbles, I think that we, we do actually have to address this head on and we have to talk about it and apply God's word to it. That's one thing I think I've appreciated about people who have looked at these topics and said, and I think Chrissy, you touched on, it, it's got to be age appropriate um, mm-hmm. to make sure that we're talking about them earlier because they're getting inundated with it even earlier. We don't have the boundaries and the walls maybe that you once be able to have that technology bust through those or goes over them, whatever it is to where we're no longer can maybe be the gatekeepers to those voices the way we used to be able to do. So when we can find, um, you know, when, when people talk to us about youth ministry, one of the things oftentimes we say about these topics is say, well, we'd even say like, make sure that's a part of your, you know, Sunday school curriculum or helping parents talk about it even at a younger age, because high school could be pretty late in terms of when they've already been hearing all these other things in their lives. And that's in our culture. Uh, one thing we want to talk about, we love to talk about vocation on this podcast, and it was wonderful and a great surprise to read your book. And in the first few pages, you're already talking about vocation and relationship 
sexuality and gender issues uh, was awesome. Um, and so I wanted to spend a little bit of time of uh, how our Lutheran understanding of vocation can help root scriptural understanding of sex, sexuality, gender identity, and gender roles for young people. Sure. So in chapter one, um, the definition we give is a person's vocation is a calling or task they have in life in the context of relationship. So we all have relationships with each other and all of our relationships are callings from God. So we don't, um, we don't get to choose most of them. Uh, sometimes later in life, <laughs> we get to choose our relationships and vocations, but especially, you know, when you're a teenager, you probably haven't gotten to choose any of them yet or very few. Um, so though it's, I think it's really important to teach and to understand that those most important roles that we have in our life are gifts from God and, and we don't have control over them. So like, um, I think that's a really important one for us to acknowledge, like young adults, teenagers, um, those are the years where we feel the greatest amount of pressure. Um, and we have the least amount of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you can't control whether or not you meet the person you want to marry when you want to meet them, you know, um, a spouse is a gift, right? You can't control once you do get married, you may not be able to control whether or not you get pregnant right away. Right. Um, children are gifts. Uh, sometimes you are in a situation where you end up with the gift of a child and you weren't planning that and it wasn't part of your plan and you feel like you didn't have control over that. But that vocation of parenthood is still a gift to you that you have now. Um, and it's not, it isn't a choice. It's a calling from God that comes to you as a gift. Um, we can't control what families are born into, who our parents and siblings are. All of those roles come with vocational responsibilities. So a calling from God to show his love to the people he has given us to care for. So I think that that's like the key when we're talking about these roles that have to do with our manhood and womanhood, right? Like husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church. That's the vocational call. Wives submit to your husbands out of reverence to Christ. That's like a vocational call, right? Children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And, and so on. So um, this is, often very hard because of sin, right? Like these people that we're called into relationship with are sinners and it's hard. But um, we also have people called into relationship with us to love us unconditionally, non-transactionally because, you know, Jesus loves us all that way. And so we get to image that non-transactional love of God to those around us, even when it's really hard. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, those those roles are not always easy, and certainly vocation is not always as simple as we would like it to be. Uh, and and really like uh, you, we were talking about earlier, uh, culture is a lot to say, a lot of confusing and contradictory things. Like you were just talking about 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 what those roles should look like as husbands and wives and and children in those uh, kinds of roles. Um, so what are some things that you would really press in for young Christians to understand about what it means uh, to be male or female, uh, how the body of Christ cares for one another in those roles? Yeah, so God created us male and female. It's right there in Genesis. Um, it's really, the Bible's really clear about it. There's not any wiggle room there. Um, so our rejection of our maleness or femaleness is a rejection of God's design in creation. And so it's, it's, and it's idolatry, right? It's, it's a rejection of God as Lord and saying that we are Lord and he's not. So uh, we can't be equivocal about that. Um, That's just, that is what scripture says. That's the nature of God um, to have created us male and female. And what we talk about in the book is about how like those roles uh, or those not really roles, but you know, Male and female, the two sexes that are designed for marriage, which is an image of Christ in the church. So it's all about gospel proclamation. Um, however, like at the same time, we're creating male and female, and there's no wiggle room there. God did not create our gender stereotype that we live with, you know? So um, you're not obligated to play certain sports because you're created male or to not like certain movies because you're created female or any of that sort of thing like gender stereotypes like 
sometimes they're kind of helpful because they help us like talk about differences, you know, um, but or maybe those differences are positive reminders of the biblical reasons that God created us male and female. But they can also be really distracting um, and they can also create like an unnecessary burden for young people who don't fit into the stereotypes and then are led to like question their gender identity. And that's really unhelpful. Like there's no reason that we should have stereotypes held up at a standard of God's word to where somebody who feels like they don't fit in with the other boys or the other girls should not have to question their identity as a child of God or as a male or a female. Um, so we can like, we can hold those stereotypes as loosely as we need to. You know, if it's not in the Bible, it's not in the Bible. So, um, yeah, so I think it's more important to explore the biblical reasons for why God made us male and female, which is about imaging who God is as our head, the one that we depend upon. And God also describes himself as our helper. The helper is one who intervenes for our benefit. So both of these roles of head and helper uh, point us to different traits of God and different ways that God interacts in our world. And so we emphasize that in chapter two, we talk about the esteem of the helper role. And we talk about how usually when that word helper, which is like etzer in the Hebrew, usually when it shows up in the Bible, God is talking about himself. Like the Holy Spirit is the helper of the church. Like that's a very empowered role. It's not like a subservient role. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's important that we look at those words and like take out our like social societal baggage from them and look at like how scripture uses those words before we assume that they're derogatory or a bad thing or something we need to get rid of. I really appreciate that. I think about that every once in a while it comes up when you talk about the additional stress and anxiety that can put on a young person with all the other things they're trying to figure out in adolescence. Mm -hmm. that, like I remember how much stress at times I would put on myself and just in those relational connections and where again, the gospel, God's word was that freeing thing to be able to give me again, like you talked about before, that identity that's outside of myself, uh, what I received in my baptism, um, what God's word tells me and what a beautiful thing that is and how freeing that can be for a young person. Now, <clears throat> like we said, it might take a lot of reminding with everything that's mm -hmm. going on, voices oh, yeah. that are there, uh, but what the blessing mm -hmm. that is. One, one thing that I wanted to see if you had any insight on this is, you know, a lot of these topics you've had to address as a parent, as a pastor, as a mentor, as an educator, um, and don't doubt those come out in different times of life. Um, as we look at these, have you garnered any insight or approach on how maybe you, um, and maybe specifically talking about high school here, middle, maybe middle school ministry, mm -hmm. how you've addressed them differently between males and females? Um, if you've garnered, garnered any insight of that or what you've seen maybe even over the years that you've done this and ways that you, things that you've learned about that. Yeah, so I, I guess I, I guess on the one hand, God's word is God's word, and, and any teacher, male or female, I, I think can be confident in uh, teaching on this stuff regardless of their gender. And, and I say that because if you're if you're the youth uh, leader at your church and it's just you and a bunch of high schoolers, uh, you should not say, "Well, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a lady, so I can't and I talk to the ladies about this kind of thing." Like, you know, you, you can still feel empowered because it's God's word, and the Holy Spirit is is what uh, makes that uh, efficacious, right? Yeah, God's doing the talking. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So, I, I guess on the other hand, um, I, I do think that, especially with our cultural sensitivity, just sometimes it can be uh, helpful to hear something come from a male or a female voice. So, so sometimes it might be helpful for males to hear something from a male voice and females to hear something from a female, female voice. Um, and maybe even sometimes the opposite. So uh, uh, males hearing something from a female voice and, and females from a male voice. So, so for example, it might be good for a young man to hear from a positive male role model uh, about masculinity. Uh, but then it might also be helpful for those same group of males to hear from a woman ab about being a faithful, like, like how being a faithful husband benefits his wife. Right. So, uh, I think they can kind of be creative with that. Um, I, I guess personally, uh, I'll say that I prefer when Krista talks about God's design for the helper roles, uh, because I always feel like people might automatically think that I'm just being sexist, uh, and that might get their way. Right. Um, uh, and I guess that being said, uh, I have also done presentations to room, uh, rooms full of women. Uh, on the value and dignity of their helper role 
And, and I, I was petrified while I was doing that. Right. Uh, but then at the end, they, they asked me like, Hey, you should do the same presentation to our husbands. We want them to hear about this too. We're like, right. So, um, uh, I, I think that being sensitive to your context is important. Uh, it's important to think about like what's being said, who, who is saying it and how it's going to be received. Um, you know, I think that God's word shall always, always be taught purely. But, but God also places a high value on teaching it well. Yeah. I think when you're talking to teenagers too, like you can, you can read the room. Like you can tell like if kids are uncomfortable, if they need a different setting or if you need to pull someone else in to do some mentoring or to have a conversation. Um, I think that that, I think that, you know, paying attention to the ways being received, watching for people who seem upset and following up with them one-on-one later, you know, all of that, you know, good interpersonal stuff is really important mm-hmm. yeah because you really maybe don't know what's happening in the lives of right. those young people as you're talking to them right yeah. and i really yeah. appreciate that as you're as you're having that conversation to be very conscientious of reading the body language right yeah. reading the room reading the context um and making sure that you're following up with young people who you're going like mm, something seemed off about that answer or the way they were responding to that um, and there could be a lot of reasons for that, but making sure to follow up, I think, is, is really important. Because like we said in the opening, um, we saw from young people from our youth pool that they wanted to discuss LGBTQIA plus issues more. Um, this is a regular topic for them. <laughs> There's a lot of pieces around this that they could be struggling with or they could have friends who are struggling with. Um, and so uh, in one of your chapters in the book, you talk, you titled A Compassionate Response to Homosexuality. And that's exactly what the chapter is. Uh, so can, can you speak a little bit to the power and role of the gospel of Jesus Christ that can have in the life of a person who's struggling with faith in their sexuality? Sure. Um- so, first of all, like, this is not something that either of us has struggled with. So, we want to be sensitive to the fact that, like, we can't talk about this from experience in that way. So, in this chapter, we stress that temptation is not a sin. Um, so, Satan will try to tell you that if you struggle with something, especially something like homosexuality or any LGBT uh identity issue. He will try to tell you that just that struggle alone is enough to remove you from God's grace. Okay. Uh, so the world has stereotyped Christians into two camps. Um, so most people think that there are, there's two sets of Christians, the ones who think that all LGBT people are going to hell. And then the so-called enlightened ones who know that Jesus is just about preaching love. Right. Those are the two camps. There's only two kinds of Christians. That's just the stereotype or the perception. Right. But that's like, there's a false dichotomy. So both of those ideas are wrong. Right. Jesus is about preaching love, but the law of God is also eternal and a part of his identity that does not change because God is good. So his law and design are good. So the truth is that denying God's design for us as men and women that is sinful. But the truth is also that Jesus himself suffered temptation. And Hebrews 2.18 says, for because he himself suffered and was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. So just because something is a temptation does not mean that there is no help there. And the Holy Spirit will meet us in our temptation. Um, So Jesus was without sin. So we know that experiencing temptation itself is not a sin. Now, having like homosexual um, orientation, like those desires, that is a result of our sinful nature, right? We would not have those desires if we did not have a fallen nature. So those things do point us to our own sinfulness. But it's really important that we not, we don't want to put extra barriers between people and Jesus. Like you do not need to, feel straight to be a christian you know like you don't have to um see you you don't have to fully be able to see yourself with the identity that jesus sees you with yet like Mm -hmm. you can say okay jesus i don't see it i'm struggling but you say i'm a child of god okay i'll i'll hang on to that for today like that's enough like you don't have to you know we're all 
works in progress, right? We are none of us going to be perfect this side of eternity. Um, so there is, and then it's really important, you know, that we continue to say over and over again that there is nothing that you can ever do that will put you outside of the reach of God's grace. The only thing that the Bible says is an unforgivable sin is rejecting the Holy Spirit, which is rejecting that gift, of, that free gift of faith, right? Which is nothing that we do. So um, God wants to give us good gifts. He wants to help us. He wants to give us the Holy Spirit. He, like, there is always hope. It is never hopeless in Jesus. Um, uh, so, you know, for someone who is struggling with this, um, I really, we would suggest, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are going to tell you the truth. Um, the truth is that you're God's child and that you are loved and that you have value um, today, just the way you are. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we have worse. Um, and then just, you know, um, our behaviors and our temptations and the things that we do, like ultimately aren't the things that define us. Like we have an identity that God gave us that is, you know, someday we will be fully ourselves and we'll be without sin and we'll be perfect. We'll stand before Jesus. And that is what defines us, that person. So we don't maybe know that version of ourself yet, but Jesus is about making all things new. So that person is going to exist, um, even if we aren't there today. Thanks so much for that. And again, a great chapter that is, again, just a great read through to, again, keep those things central when you have opportunities to engage with questions that come in or like you said, Chris, even if you're walking with somebody through that. Um, and I think it's such a great thing that regardless of what that temptation might be, just a reminder again of God's grace. And especially when you're able to maybe talk to a baptized child of God to remember that identity that he's given to us. Um, and certainly too, to be able to point maybe if they aren't baptized or come into your youth group, have the place to be able to again, talk about God's love for them. Um, and that might be, again, that thing that they need to hear, to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus uh, that they've maybe heard either for the first time or maybe as a fresh way as well. Uh, there's another part of that too that just want to get your feedback about. It's certainly a topic that is probably new on the hearts and minds and maybe lips of some parents and some people in youth ministry, and that's around gender identity and transgenderism. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably become more of a more of maybe a regular topic, just as it's been in media and other things as well that families have to wrestle with and discuss. Uh, do you have any specific advice or wisdom uh, for parents or youth leaders as they face this issue with truth and love? Yeah. So uh, I guess first off, I'd say if if someone is having a crisis of gender identity, uh, don't freak out. Yep. Um, if it's your kid, uh, if it's a friend, it, a student, whoever it might be, uh, just don't freak out. Uh, practice your poker face. Uh, <laughs> really, really, you know, um, uh, because I think that's, you know, it's, if, if a kid comes to you and they... Um, uh, they, they can find that kind of thing in you. Your, your first impression, uh, right off the bat, uh, is, is going to speak volumes to them. Uh, and I think that's why a poker face is really important. Uh, so that they, they know, okay, so I can keep on talking. I didn't just, you know, rock their world. Right. Uh, because I think that ultimately your goal is to win the, uh, the trust, uh, from them, uh, to continue the conversation. Uh, and, and then have the opportunity to speak God's word of law and gospel into, into their life. Uh, that, that's your goal. Um, so, so I think it's also important to remember that while for us as adults, this whole transgender, uh, gender identity stuff um, is a huge topic. It's, it's a firestorm of emotions and debates. Uh, it's, it's political and, and, and our, our fundamental understanding of, of truth is, you know, uh, is being challenged, uh, for a kid who's going through this, uh, they're, they're likely just trying to figure out who they are and they're just using the methods that our culture is currently suggesting them to try to do that. Uh, so, so all that kind of stuff that, that we're thinking about may not necessarily be on their minds. It's all relevant to them, but, uh, they may not have that full context, um, that, that you have when they're talking to you about this. Uh, and, and I think that many times our kids, uh, from, from especially middle, middle school through high school and even younger, uh, 
I, I think that many times they're just trying out new new identities, like they're trying a pair of clothes. You know, they're, they're just trying stuff out. So I think that's also why it's it's okay not to freak out. Still talk to them about it, uh, but but you can also give them some grace to say, okay, uh, this this may not be a permanent life altering decision that they're making uh, in this moment. Um, there are some things you shouldn't yeah. do though, right? Like right. you should be careful about, like you probably don't want to take them to see like um, a therapist who's going to push them in a certain direction. And a lot of therapists nowadays yeah. are like, they have to um, because of like their policies at their practices. So like you want to make sure that if counseling is what they need, which it very well might be that you've got Christian counseling and that you know that they're not going to affirm that, like their transgender identity or anything like that. So like, you know, don't freak out in front of the kid, but also like educate yourself, find out like what they've been hearing. Um, you might need to pull them out of the classroom they're in. It's they're in a public school and this is like, uh, has like social, like contagion kind mm -hmm. of, I mean, you're talking about the experiences we've had with this are in Lutheran schools. So this is a setting where, yeah. you know, everybody is on the same page. Everybody's on the same team. Every All the adults in the picture know that this child is a baptized child of God and they want to affirm them in that identity. Um, that's a little different than if you're in like a more hostile environment. You have to be more wary in those situations. Yeah. Just as yeah. like a caveat. Right, right. And, and, and yeah, I think that's, Probably, probably the biggest thing is, is simply just to uh, temper your your reaction, you know. So don't don't throw drastic uh, nuclear option where you go uh, find a therapist and we're going to go fix you and all that kind of stuff. Uh, because I think that just like you don't want to take them to a a um, a counselor or a therapist who would not affirm our our worldview uh, and would push for the opposite one. I think having a a, uh, a nuclear reaction with something uh, that's very quick uh, might inadvertently affirm uh, a false gender identity for a kid yes. uh, by making such a big deal about it. Then it's like, oh, I, I just, you know, the kid might think, oh, I just, I just made this this huge decision yeah. for the rest of my life. So we want we want to communicate to them that they can't actually change their identity. Like we're going to love them no matter what, no matter what they say, and that. You know, that's yeah. part of that. Your identity and your value is consistent message yeah. that we want to give them. So, so I guess that, that's why I would also say that um, I, I think talking about identity and how we as Christians understand identity uh, is maybe the best conversation to have with our kids. Uh, and, and that's a good one to have with our kids anyway, uh, regardless of this whole gender uh, conversation. But I mean, for us uh, as Christians, our identity is not determined internally by ourselves it's it's determined externally by god uh and, and that's both a law and gospel thing right mm -hmm. so he creates us male and female that's that's law uh but then he also recreates us in our baptism like, like he gives us this external identity uh that sinners are being turned into saints in baptism uh that comes from outside of ourselves and, and that's that's pretty cool so I, I think that's why i would say that we should also lovingly stick to our confession uh, and, and I, I guess I'd also say like, don't play the pronoun game. Uh, I think that like Christians that do, I, I, I can see the heart. Uh, I think they're, they're trying to show love and, um, uh, they're, they're trying to be uh, charitable. Uh, but, but I think that we don't necessarily want to wade into those, uh, waters because I think that, uh, we want to call people by the pronouns that God gave to them by birth. Uh, and I think we can do that without being jerks. <laughs> I think we can just kind of blame it on God. He, he made them that way, and we don't want we don't want to argue with God. Uh, so we start to love that person, uh, but for that reason, uh, we don't want to put pronouns, um, you know, in things like our social media bio and things like that. Um, even though those are my God-given pronouns that I'm putting in my bio, uh, I think that right now in our culture, that affirms that true identity is self-chosen or self-affirmed um and we're people who proclaim that identity comes from outside of ourselves uh and like i said that's both the law and gospel thing um and i think it's also a lot of the people who don't agree with our stance on transgenderism because at least they know that they, they know where you stand uh, and they get to see you still loving them so so i think being clear about what we say but also being clear about how we love is very important
And there may be some differences here, depending on like, if you're talking about like a seventh grader who comes mm -hmm. to their teacher in a Lutheran school and they say they want to change their gender identity, um, that's a different situation than like having a 17 year old walk into your youth group who's been identifying as transgender for years. Like, I'm not, we're not necessarily saying like that you're not going to use the name that someone introduces themselves as to you when you first meet them um, or anything like that. But like when you're in a school environment and you're teaching and everybody is still very young, you can just confidently say that, you know, in your vocation as teacher and parent, um, God has not given you permission to change the way you address people, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of, you have to use your discretion and your judgment and pray for wisdom and guidance. You know, but mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think thinking about it vocationally, like what is our vocational role with this person at this point and how do we best show them God's love? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so true in that, that a lot of these conversations are, are different depending on a lot of different variables, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Person, their family, their connection to your church, their connection to your school, uh, the context in which you're connecting with them, and so being really conscientious about. And I, I think that's that's hard, partly to like have a podcast that's just uh, 40 minutes, and we're just going to tell you all the things, right? Uh, because the reality is that there is um, there's a lot of nuance there that we could spend a lot of time uh, getting into, and and uh, lots of difficulty there. Um, but as we kind of close this up, thinking about how might you encourage youth leaders who are wanting to build some capacity for themselves to have some of these hard conversations, uh, what kind of resources might you suggest? Um, so I, I think that just making sure that your leaders are well catechized uh, is, is maybe a, a great place to start. Um, so that they've got a good knowledge of scripture, they, they, they know catechism. Um, I think things like that is just helpful to, to know the basics, you know, like, I mean, the, knowing that identity comes from outside of us is, is a very fundamental thing. And I think that that's a huge, uh, part of this conversation. Uh, I guess I would also suggest, uh, as you focus on this kind of conversation and this kind of topic, um, focus, don't just focus on what we're against. And I think that's very easy to do in this uh, kind of topic. But I think that that what might be more important and maybe even more impactful for our youth and more helpful for, for them is is to talk about what's actually at stake uh, and, and what we're actually um, trying to preserve that is good. And, and really this is all connected to the gospel. Uh, our, our whole idea of, of gender and sexuality, it, it's actually all given to us as a picture of Christ in the church. It's, it's there to like it's God's tangible way of reminding us of the gospel that, that, you know, I mean, I, I, the way I to say it, it was like, Hey, did you know that Jesus is married? Uh, he's got his bride, the church. Right. And, and, uh, we, we see how he treats the church and, and that's the gospel. Um, so really that's what marriage is, is for. Uh, the other thing I would say is, uh, connect with other leaders. Uh, you're not alone. Um, it, even if you are the only youth person in your church, uh, Find the other LCMS church in the area or, or whatnot and, and connect with the leaders there. It's okay to talk to people and to get an idea of, uh, hey, how, how do we want to uh, go about this? Uh, how do we want to uh, talk about this? How can we serve our youth? Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a great conversation. And uh, hopefully people can go out and check the book. We'll have a link in the podcast notes. Again, so thankful to have the Petzolds on. Um, again, just a chance to get into their book a little bit, but then also have the interview here. I uh, really appreciate, again, the positive way that they tackled these issues and in terms of talking about God's design, the gift um, that, again, gender, sexuality, our life is um, the gift from God that we receive. Certainly get to talk about that maybe differently in the context with other Christians, with baptized believers, but then also how that is a gospel thing, a love thing that, again, both you as an adult leader, but then also your youth can express to their friends who are struggling with this, um, with these issues. And, and again, that there are the, certainly the moral issues that we discuss, but then also to talk more broadly again about the gift that God gives us in vocation and the many ways that he loves us. And what a great way, an all-encompassing way to talk about law gospel um, and how God loves us and has designed us. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think we forget often that young mm-hmm. people are really still in that identity formation right. stage, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and certainly they have a lot more challenges in terms of the number of voices and the amount of people who are speaking into or trying to speak into into that identity formation. And so uh, really helping walk alongside young people as they do those things as they as, as they mm-hmm, are forming mm-hmm. all different parts of their identity, including um, thinking about gender and sexuality, and and helping point them back to this identity that God has provided for them as a child of God in their baptism. Um, it really um, is a huge, huge component for for us as we think about how we support young people in all sorts of different uh, big issues. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming probably most people listening to this know that this is an issue and they're talking about it probably. Yeah. Um, but if not, I mean, I would take their advice very. Um, seriously too about to be aware of that it's having a younger younger age and that even no matter how much of a bubble you think you've created um, there's again more ways that voices can get to them so that how we can again at, at age appropriate ways talk about this but be proactive and helping parents do that too equipping parents um, you know when you're thinking of your even littles in your congregation um, how do you uh, build their capacity to talk about these issues in a positive way um, and give those the resources that they're able to do that so that again maybe it's not the, the hard question at confirmation or other times that they're used to that and and know their identity is in Christ. Right. And being able to talk about it uh, preemptively, right? Yep, so, yep. and, and at, at an age appropriate level, but then also being open to uh, letting them ask questions yep. and asking them good questions um, when they say things, right? Not jumping to conclusions, yep. but asking, tell me what you mean by that. Um, Have your poker face. Right? I love that. Um, yep, that's good. And, and, and poker face, recognizing that, um, they may be struggling with gender stereotypes yep, and, right. and those kinds of things. Also, the societal baggage that's coming mm-hmm, along with mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, or they might be genuinely struggling and your response really um, is a place that they're coming for comfort. They're right. coming to hear warmth, challenge, and grace mm-hmm, all together, mm-hmm. law and gospel together. We know that young people who struggle uh, with gender and sexuality are, are more likely to uh, commit suicide and mm-hmm, we want to be conscientious mm-hmm, yeah. of, of our response to that um, in protecting uh, them and their lives and and continuing that conversation and building a relationship that builds trust, trust that exactly. helps continue that conversation so that we can continue to share the gospel. So a couple of closing questions for you to consider. How are you formally planning these conversations in order to help young people understand God's word? How can you faithfully remind young people that their identity comes from God and outside of themselves? And how can you be compassionate, empathetic, reminding them that they are children of God uh, to youth and their friends as they wrestle with identity? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as we all wrestle with identity and who God has made us to be, uh, that we may live out our vocations and that God may give us wisdom and discernment as we have these difficult conversations. And Gold's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.